Welcome to Accounting High. This has been just a series of serendipity moments. You know, I, I just feel like the accidental accountant in a way for the accounting profession is we need to try and discern who's who in the zoo here. We need to know which game we're playing. There'll always be finite and infinite game players. So how do we know which ones are which? How do we know out of our client base, the firms we're working with? If you're living a duality and you're trying to straddle that fence between self-interest, keeping what you've got, as opposed to living a pure, more centred, congruent life, because you really find out that you're an infinite game player, but you're, you're caught in a finite game or someone else's finite game, we need to make a call. Usually when we make those tough calls, they're agonising, they eat up at us. Eventually when we make that call, we step into a power zone, really. We feel freer, lighter. Um, We maybe feel some guilt that we didn't do it earlier. Everything's just happening for us, not to us. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat. May I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. This is Accounting High, and we've got a new guest from on the other side of the globe here. Our 2% of listeners in Australia are going to be pleased that we have Clayton Oates on today. Clayton Oates is recognized as a respected member of the accounting, bookkeeping, and tech community international accounting bookkeeping and tech community he's well known in the united states he's well known in australia i'm sure people know him in other countries too i'm sure that you're known in in the uk (laughs) in south africa in all the english-speaking countries i don't know about the french-speaking countries or the other spanish not that i'm aware of but the english the english speakers Clayton, thank you for making the time. Hey, Scott, great to thank see you, mate. For coming it's on. Uh, always fantastic to catch up. And yeah, just uh, just just in the future here, just fractionally, really, but 18 hours, I think, for you guys. So uh, hopefully I can impart uh, or bring the almanac and see what we can work out. The almanac. Oh, man, you're so youthful. You're so, you're so youthful. 
Clayton, how old are you at this point? You've been in the game yeah, for a while now. I was chatting to someone yesterday that they, he said, Clayton, you've been around this profession for five decades. Well, yeah, I suppose technically, yes. You know, started out in the 80s. So, uh, <laughs> whoa, I mean, I'm 53, I think, but life, life 6.0 or 5.3 or whatever we want to call it. So I'm, I'm glad just to be upright each day and uh, still kicking. So it's good. You know what, though? Age is a mindset. Totally. And if you allow it to define you, then... You know, it is what it is, but you're not that old. I mean, you're in your fifties. You still, uh, you still got a long runway left. One day at a time, you know, isn't it's... it? Really, which is appreciate that. <laughs> so, I guess let's start sort of at the beginning, right? Like, how did you get involved in this f- accounting space? Why? How did that start? Yeah, that started out in my teenage years. I. We grew up on a farm, you know, that was probably the reason I looked at accounting, to get as far away from sheep and cattle as possible. But re- really, the, the real reason was that I, uh, we had some family friends, actually, that, that seemed to have some sort of lifestyle, some sort of, they, they travelled. This is the 70s, you know, when growing up as a kid. They'd just been to Vegas, and I'm going, my gosh, how do you do this? Now, I never really asked them, but I equated that the fact that they had their own business, therefore that equals freedom. And uh, obviously, we know the price of freedom is not free, but I felt as though, okay, how do I have my own business one day? And final year at high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. Mum had just gone to see the accountant. I was sitting in the car waiting for her. And she said, hey, maybe you should do accounting. And you're good with numbers or you're you know, okay with maths. And this is how much, you know, these serendipity moments in life, Right. And I thought, okay, I'll go do accounting. Really, for the per- certainly not to be a tax accountant or a partner in a chartered accounting firm. I had no vision or re- goal of that, but I associated finances with business. So I thought, oh, if I go to learn accounting, at least I'll know that piece. If I'm going to grow a business, I want it to exist and grow and support my life as I want to create it. And then at university, I spent five years doing a three-year degree. I had a great time. I saw a few subjects a couple of times just to make sure they were right. Two years in, I actually scored a job at Price Waterhouse, you know, at one of the, the big eight in those days, PW. And it was fantastic. It was a great place to start. I thought, wow, I'm on a bit of a journey here. I'll learn about business. I'll learn about clients. I'll learn about, uh, I'll try and work out which businesses it is that I'm going to go into. And effectively, sort of five years in, I felt as though, oh my gosh, I'm feeling trapped in this. It was like doing tax for five years and I just woke up one morning. It was the start of a recession in the 1990s, early 90s in Australia, or a global recession, really, similar to perhaps what's going on at the moment. And I felt as though I just can't do this anymore. And I actually walked into the part, senior partner's office and said, look, I'm out. You know, I'm moving on. I had no idea what I was going to do next. And they just said, oh, okay, when are you thinking? And I said, oh, maybe Friday. Good time to leave. Now, this is a Wednesday. No concept that I had to give a month's notice, nothing. I just made that call and I was doing it. Walked out of there looking for a reset, really, and got into industry, actually. A month later, I I went to a recruiter and he said, there's no jobs. And I said, listen, that's your job to find me a job. You get incentivized for that. So he actually found me a role at a client of of Pricewaterhouse and increased income, seemed more relevant. It was actually setting up software systems in supermarkets, so accounting software. And I loved it. I thought, oh, this is great. And then I met my wife a year later, and she lived a 1,000 miles from Melbourne in a little country town. I thought, well, I'm going where you are. Um, take 
Do you guys use miles well, there? No, I'm, I'm, I, you I'm, say a thousand I'm miles. Conversion for you guys, you know, ninety-eight percent of your Oh, oh wow! I mean, it, that came second nature too. You were just right off the cuff. You went straight to miles. I mean, yeah, that's well, uh, that's impressive. Don't get me saying niches. It's niches. <laughs> niches. I say niches myself. I say it as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of niche niche. Nice. I, we, we have so many different ways of saying on this podcast. We have episodes titled verticals just because I don't want to put that word on there. The other <laughs> yeah. word. Cool. Well, it, well, so what ended up happening is I left, Sorry. you know, Melbourne, went to a small country town where, where I am today, actually. Was, I was 24 years old or 25, actually, um, you know, in the 90s. And the only job I could sort of get in those days up here was back in public accounting. And so I went back into it. And I felt as though I'm not going to stay here for very long. And it was another sort of three years, I suppose. And again, incredibly frustrated. I was in my late 20s. I wanted my own business. I couldn't, I I didn't want to be um, a partner in a chartered accounting firm. I just didn't like the view of the lifestyle that was being created there. It was um, no disrespect to anyone who, you know, and I've since learned that you can have a fantastic life by giving and serving to others through the accounting profession. But it is like everybody's built for something totally. different. I'm learning that myself Absolutely. along the but way. No judgment there. And so I got to the point where I felt frustrated enough. I, I felt mad enough with myself that I hadn't made a decision to actually go and create and start my own business. And a client actually asked me to become a financial controller for his growing business. It was, he was someone I admired and respected. It was like a mentor to me. I just loved going out there and seeing him, you know, doing the work. I was charging him, but I felt like I was receiving the most. And I went back to the firm and they said, oh, no, no, don't. What could, what could we do to make you stay? And this was 1995. And I said, listen, why don't we set up an accounting software advisory business together? We need to be proactive in training and supporting clients on using accounting tech because we've moved from manual and we're starting to see desktop starting to really happen. And I felt as though this could be a way I could have my own business without giving up all the career capital that I'd created, really, through eight or nine years. Yeah. And they said, yeah, let's, let's do that. That sounds great. I had no idea how that would be funded. I thought they were just going to throw a bucket of money at me. I was like, a, hey, this is this VC round or what is this? And then they said, no, you need to work that out. I said, well, I need at least two team members. I'm not going to, I want to create a business that actually works without me. And they said, great, work it out. I said, oh, okay. So what I did is went and uh, packaged our annual services that I was articulating to these clients. And I built a subscription model where they could actually sign up for that. Uh, We went and marketed and promoted and ran events. And we had a hundred clients sign up to that, which helped me fund the first two employees of the business and that was 1995 so then what happened was i actually started it without any equity and then two years later i bought it, bought in half to half the business that i created so as entrepreneur i suppose is the term that people mm-hmm. start to use these days which was totally fine entrepreneur yeah. actually rory mentioned that to me this week I, gone, wow yeah okay entrepreneur i love that you're in a firm how can you i hadn't heard that well, one yet that's it yeah so uh I thought, this is cool. That is exactly what happened. I, I was looking for a way, and, and any of us in a firm, you know, if you're feeling a little frustrated or whatever, go and create something, perhaps with the firm. Ideally, you could. You're not going to give up the career capital if you've got a great relationship there. And bring something new. You know, that's what an entrepreneur does, create something out of nothing, really, in terms of actually creating value. 
And so we did that. We went and set up accounting software solutions yeah. for small to medium-sized clients, brought hundreds of clients into the firm, really, over a number of years. And I then thought, that's going to, this is the future. This, every single accounting firm is going to have a software advisory division, surely. You know, this, this game is probably going to be over in a few years. Every business is going to be set up perfectly. Tech's going to just be throughout everything. And here we are 25 years later, still sort of at the start in, in some respects around that. And we got bought out by public In some respects. Some countries are further along than yeah, others. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some have had more pain and more desire too, so to actually make change and in more commitment in that area as well. But then we got bought out by a public accounting firm. So just to wrap out the story really is that we, a, a public company bought 70 accounting firms of which our firm was one or the, the firm that I was joint venture or, or co-owners with, with the QA business. And I thought, great. You, you guys have just bought 70 of the top regional and suburban-based accounting firms in Australia and New Zealand. Let's go and set up accounting tech as a, uh, a division of, of every one of those firms. And they said, no, we don't think accounting tech's a thing. It's all about wealth management and financial planning. And fortunately, then I was able to sort of buy the other half of the business out at that time, pretty generous rate. And we've been independent for the last 26 years, setting up training, supporting small businesses, and then accountants and bookkeepers actually in utilising tech in their firms to ultimately help create a better life for everyone. And here we are. For sure. So the few things I noticed, at least in, in your journey, is very similar. I mean, you're, you wanted to be an, an entrepreneur. You were looking for freedom, right? Yep. And I think that's what a lot of people... You know, they get stuck and trapped in their business. They get trapped in the day-to-day and they lose their freedom when they become business owners because they're a slave to their ambition. They're a slave to growing the business. They're a slave to their clients, or at least they feel like they're a slave and trapped. That's how I, I used to feel. So, I mean, I'm just talking from my own experience in an accounting firm, especially when you have tax season, when you're, you know, stuck in that day-to-day grind of, I've got to grow. I've got to, you know, uh, I, I didn't know why, what I was chasing. And I don't know if I intentionally just did this, but it's like the segue and the transition in my, my life from a finite mindset to that infinite mindset. And you see how I segued into that because uh, I think we had, a, we did have a discussion on the infinite game. Shout out to Simon Sinek. I've, I reread that recently. Yeah, I reread that this year. I read it when it first came out too because I, I just follow him. Leaders eat last, start with why. You know, all of everything that Simon Sinek does seems to just speak to me on a different level. Like he's synthesizing a lot of ideas that have already been around and packaging them into something that's very palatable that I could I could get behind like all the way. And there's there's certain people in the industry that are like that. And I feel like there's there's a lot of that when you're speaking too. So I'm 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 propping you up here with like the Ron Bakers of of our industry of the you know of those thought leaders here. But tell me at least what your thoughts were when you transitioned from you know you're you're working for other people, you introverted or intra intrapreneured your way into business, 
Do you, you have employees now at your company? Yeah, so is that uh, right? That's correct. How many? Uh, yeah, how many so we've never been a te- team greater than eight. Actually, um, I've done that whole staking ladders. Eight, you know, okay. where you go to eight, you come back to one. You, I've, I've done that two or three times over thirty years. We're we're a team of six at the moment, a distributed team around the country, working with the best people. You know, so I uh, going back to freedom. You know, you got to define what that is for you. You know, I can recall one day the founder of a very large mainstream accounting tech company in Australia, public company, asking me probably close to 25 years ago, Clayton, where do you want to take this? You know, what do you want to do? I said, look, I'd just love to be, I don't want to be the big, I don't, I have no ambition to be the public company. I really consciously try to keep the ego in check. Although naturally as a human that runs away with us, depend different times. Um, Whew, I have to read and reread Ego is the Enemy. Ryan, that's, uh, that's a yeah. book that I recently read and that's it's a solid uh, one, yeah. Well, any of Ryan's stuff is incredible. I mean, man, what a what a guy, you know. Obstacle is the way. Uh, the Daily Stoic, you know, all of that. Stillness yeah. is key. Oh yep. Those are the greatest hits. Those are the three punches in the gut that, like, they they both take you to a different place and they change your mindset on a lot of totally. things. Yeah. Great. So it's that, um, you know, you've sort of got to work out, well, what does freedom mean to you? Now, I know from an, you know, accounting sort of or a business mindset we tend to think that that is all about a financial piece it's all about having more you know one of the keys i think i've found over the time is knowing when what is enough as well and living in the moment you know more present it's when we get ahead of ourselves and that's not to say we don't set goals and have dreams and and so forth but sometimes we can be just way beyond where we are and we're living out there instead of actually living and, and staying present and i know that that sounds like a bit of a cliche but it's so true and when we come back to that that mindset, you know, they look, business and life is a mindset. You know, we're all living in our own realities, our own bubbles. Gosh, the last two years or four years have really proven that in lots of areas. It's about beliefs and, you know, and what we believe to be true and being congruent, you know, with, with yourself as well. So, look, business for me was a, was a vehicle to enable choices and freedoms. And freedom was really about peace of mind. It was, and in fact, that's what our support program was called right from the start and still is today. Uh, our peace of mind program. I saw that today. I was looking on the website. I loved that as the option of one of the services. I yeah, it just dope. spoke to me. And and when you're working with small businesses, and we are one, you know, it's just keeping it real, isn't it? You know, as and not getting too far ahead of ourselves. And and we've been in a professional industry that's been bombarded with future postulating, you know, and and spin around the future and all of this, and trying to get us out there to really probably disrupt our present and our center. And a lot of people have done a pretty good job of doing that to us. So it's probably up to us to reclaim the moment and reclaim the present in, in a lot of respects as well, is why those things speak to us, I think, as, as people. But you touched on the finite and infinite game. You know, for me, that piece, I just had this underlying core philosophy, and I think this is universal, although I've discovered that a lot of people mask it or maybe it's not universal. Maybe there just are these two types of game players, and we'll talk about that but you've got to find your arena that is where your tribe is and where the people that actually have that same centre and core hang out, and, and that's part of the game. But that whole piece of actually, you know, we give and we get in that order, you know, you've got to create more value than we capture. And there was a quote by a fellow called Brian Irwin, you know, that Tim O'Reilly actually had one of the first, virtually the first commercial webpage, O'Reilly Media, and actually his webpage was about cataloguing what's on the internet. You know, it was like the library. Oh, that's that's. Oh, look at that. That's on there as well. I can actually go and do this. And and it was, and he commercialized it eventually. Eventually, I realized, oh, we 
we're going to be half the internet here if we try and keep track of what's on the internet. This is just getting too big on us. And then they sort of commercialize that a little uh, (laughs) through advertising and so forth. But Brian Irwin actually said, well, hang on, we need to always constantly realize that we need to create more value than we capture. And that's sort of that infinite mindset, abundance thinking. And it's like, yeah, of course, you know, and the entrepreneur adds value, creates value by taking the challenge and, and solving it in a way that you can make a tangible difference to others. And if you do that, you eventually you will make a tangible difference to your life and existence as well. That's just a law of the universe. I, I just got this belief that you do the right things, the right thing happens. It may not be in your lifetime. So don't worry about that. You know, just, just double down on doing the right thing, what you believe to be true and right, and just go there. So business and accounting and all of this has just been a a, a playground, if you like, to actually learn more about this life experience and put into play these things that, that you believe to be true and important. And lo and behold, what pokes out the other end of time over distance and with a lot of activity is, in fact, validation of, of, of that belief and that process that you're It's very validating, yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about having seen both sides of that mindset and having lived both sides too and i mean it does it sounds like you know you've you always there was always like a means to an end and through your journey you were pretty sure of you know how you wanted to do this in the right way and i I think that's also what leads to a happier life too like knowing what you want and not doing what others think you should be doing or not you know not being, you know, not uh, creating this whole uh, persona of somebody that should be successful. You know, in the accounting profession, there's there's different personas and there's different people that are, this is how you should be to succeed. And this is what you need to do in business. And I, I think maybe I was just following the wrong people or I had the wrong influences early on because I thought I need to keep everything to myself and everybody's competition. And this person, you know, and I've talked about that a lot on the podcast that being on the other side of that is so much better. Like there's, I, I, I don't know if there's, a, there's another word for it, but it's so much more refreshing and it's so much easier to live when everybody's your friend and you can learn something from everybody. Everybody's got something for you. Everybody's got something to share. Everybody's got some value that they can add and everybody has their own you know, purpose here. And it used to, like I guess in my mind, it used to be, you know, very much when he's comparing, he's comparing Microsoft and Apple early in the book and he does that throughout, you know, like I think I always identified and I loved things about Apple, but I don't think I embodied their mindset and how they ran as a company. I think I'm on the other side of that now and I'm seeing that, but it was always like, you know, you you just see this is like, I want to be the best. How do I become the best? And everybody else, I, I know I was at the peak of Mount Stupid early days too. And it, it, it was a journey to, yeah, well. <laughs> right? Like it, it was a journey to get to the other side of that. And then you had to, you had to travel through that valley of despair to be in what I'm calling is like the plateau of peace almost. Like that's what I think I'm, I'm leveled off at. I'm, I'm pretty good there. But with that, you know, you, you're focused more on your systems and improving on yourself not and and I, I don't know like I, I feel like that's kind of what you're doing that's like your journey that you're on are you marching towards something yeah that, I mean yeah marching towards right now <laughs> I think that's how I feel about this in terms of it's interesting to talk about these peaks and troughs and valleys and 
you know, I... Sure, sure, and sure. that's sure. actually um, part of the life experience, isn't it? You know, there's a great book, actually, The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Hugh Jackman, actually. Uh, I love that book. I brought that book up on our second episode. It's awesome that you just said it. I brought that up to Liz Mason, actually, because she's got High Rock, and I asked her, what's her next journey? Like, what, what mountain is she climbing now? And I, I was trying to bring up The Second Mountain. So, yeah, keep wow, going. That's I, awesome. I, well, I, you're spot yeah, it's, on. Yeah. It's meant a lot to me, you know, because... Uh, we're going to have, look, we set out on a journey and we think we're, this is the mountain we want to climb. And when I get X and Y and Z, it's, it's going to happen. You know, we've got this formula that we believe is going to be just an outcome based and that's it. And when I get that, I'll have this and I'll feel this and so forth. And, you know, beyond that, you know, and it may be perceived to be incredible success from an outside lens looking in, but you feel like, is this all there is? You know, is this like, what the heck? You know, do I, is it the next one that I need to climb that I'll feel in a certain way? And highly likely you'll have this valley beyond that mountain, even if, and I know this was my case, you know, I felt that, oh, wow, that's those goals and dreams actually came true. And then it's like life just gives you a sort of an uppercut and says, hey, hang on, <laughs> there's, there's this journey that you're on here and you end, it, end up in this deep, deep valley, which is actually part of, it's happening for you, not to you. Uh, you know, and I know Tony Robbins talks about this as well. You know, life's happening for you, not to you. Look, look at the learning from it. Look at the real. I said that to my son today. I told him that today. We went to the library. Sorry, but it's exactly what I said to him today. I didn't quote Tony Robbins, but I said, this is for you. This isn't half, like, you know, it's it's hard for kids to get that, though. But it was hard for me to get that. It was a really hard for me to get that most yeah. of my life. Yeah, and, and look, and then, you know, beyond that valley, you know, there's another mountain. But it's not the mountain you've just climbed, you know. So it's a different thing, you know. It's a, it's a like, an, a, I mean, look, people would say an aw- awakening, an awareness, a consciousness, you know, whatever sort of a piece you want to put on that, enlightenment, you know, all those sorts of things actually, I think, play out in here. And so... You know, coming back to sort of building and creating a business, just probably that initial mindset is, you know, certainly building a business with a system that can sort of free you up in terms of physical effort and has some sort of continuity and sustainability to it is is critical as well. You know, um, the e-myth Michael Gerber was sort of that bedrock book, I suppose, for me that was like, hang on, I'm building a business with a system, so I need to invest in the systems to actually give me leverage. And thinking that, you know, I just wanted income and time was going to be the answer. Actually, when you do have income and time, it's like, hmm, that's when the real challenge starts, actually, to because you've got all this time and space to yourself. And you will either tear yourself down or, or you'll work out ways to sort of build, rebuild yourself back up. So a lot of it's numbing, I think. Business can be a numbing mechanism, you know. It's like, oh, we're wearing masks, but we also have this addiction to continued expansion, continued growth, you know. In, and growth for the sake of just growth itself without actually thinking, well, growth, what does growth equal? Does it equal serving more people? What if you're just an incredible bookkeeper, a great accountant? Why hide your talents? You know, there's a way to actually share that with more people. Look what the internet's done, one to many. You're doing this through your podcasts and actually you're touching people's lives through what you're doing and who you're bringing on and your insights to your life and journey. You're setting that out, you know, more than you'll, you'll connect with more people than you ever knew, uh, than, than you will ever will know through just this medium. So, you know, you're, you're actually a living example of that, of creating and acting and sharing Jeez. just through this piece, small piece of what you're doing. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, the great thing about business and, and, a, and or the accounting profession. You know, here, here's me thinking, I just want to get out of it. In fact, I and what it's what it's done to me, and this has been just a series of serendipity moments. 
you know, I, I just feel like the accidental accountant in a way. I still hold my accounting to qualifications and so forth, but I'm I'm not the accountant. I'm not the bookkeeper. I set up and support small businesses and bookkeepers and accountants in those systems. But pivotal to that, and I, if I don't mind segueing just a little bit, to, is the partnership with tech vendors. You know, I started out QA to actually support small to medium-sized businesses, and it's evolved more to accountants and bookkeepers as well. But pivotal to that is we needed to have great partnership, which I wanted to feel as though it was a lifelong partnership, but we're in this for life. We're sort of lifers in what we're doing. Not that you stay in this game forever, but you've got a lifelong forever mindset. And that is the uh, infinite game mindset. And whereas, and, and just for people that aren't aware, you know, infinite finite games, you know, go read the book, right? Totally immerse yourself. That is a workbook that's to be studied, The Infinite Game with Simon Sinek. But even before that, James Cass actually wrote a book in the 80s called Finite and Infinite Games. And when he, made, he references that, yeah, and I'd read too. that many yeah. years ago before Simon had written his book, you know, I thought, oh, and the reason I read mm-hmm. it is because Mark Andreessen from Andreessen Horowitz, who created Netscape, I saw him at a conference in San Jose, and he spoke about that. He was asked the question, how do you work out who to back, you know, as far as tech founders? He said, well, first of all, we want to work out which game are they playing? And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, hang on, what's he talking about? And he referenced James Cass's book, Finite and Infinite Games, and I thought that was like a aha, grab the pebble moment for me. It's like, oh, hang on, he's just dropped a pebble here. I just need to go and pick that up and go deeper with it. And so that then, because what I was looking for at that time, and, and, you know, I was looking for why do some partnerships last? Why do some relationships last and others don't? Why do I feel as though some of the tech vendors we partner with, but it's just a one-way street here and it feels like I'm a pawn in the game? Whereas others, it's like I've got this deep connection at a personal level that I feel as though we're in this forever. We're in this to create this abundance and more um, and, and help and impact people in a more tangible way. And you come back to the Apple and Microsoft examples. And even Brian Irwin talks about that with Microsoft. You know, that was the, well, Tim O'Reilly actually talks about it to say, hey, the Microsoft model, when particular leaders were in charge, I think when Steve Ballmer was there, it was just all about getting winning. It was about beating the competition. It was about taking people out of the game. And that's the finite game. So the finite game, the purpose of a finite game in a very simple form is to actually end the game. And you end the game by beating the competition, you know, dominating and just making people run out of oxygen, basically, outlasting them, those sorts of strategies to actually, and you don't want more entrance to the game. This is my game. I'm going to win and own this. Whereas the infinite game, which I think most of the accounting profession is, and we've got 500 years worth of history here, is that we are infinite game players. And so the purpose of an infinite game is actually to continue playing the game. How can we bring more people into this? It's not a zero-sum game. It's actually a game of abundance. It's a multiplier that actually occurs. And so there are these two games in town. And so if you've had a situation where you're feeling as though you're partnering with it, let's I'll use tech vendors because I've had the most experience with partnering with lots of vendors for over 30 years. And by the way, we chose multiple vendors right from the start of our business because I felt as though I needed to de-risk our strategy here. I couldn't just go all in with one vendor. I needed to choose multiple. We needed to sort of know three, or sort of beware of three, know two, master one, I suppose is the three, two, one rule that I've sort of adopted. Because what if one, what if that relationship completely falls apart? What if that vendor does something that's totally incongruent with my core values? A lot of people, that does happen, right? And they feel trapped. They feel as though, oh, I can't give this up now. It's like the 
what's the example? The monkey with the hand in the bottle. How do you catch the monkey? You know, put the put the food in the bottle and the hand in there, and it just stays in there because I must keep what I've got. Or yeah. what I it doesn't let go. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, hang on. But if you've got several bottles going on here, it's like, oh, I can just go back over there. You know, it's like putting all of our thinking that I've got. I just need to. It's like a scarcity versus totally. abundant. Yeah. Yeah, and we tend to just hang on to that little piece that we've got, that little morsel that's been chucked at us to live a, 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 a settled-for life as opposed to that whole playground over there of abundance and infinite sort of game players. And it's not just being in the infinite game ourselves. It's actually what we benefit from, from being in with our people, you know, the tribe that's like, whoa, that energy that I feel and get, and you know, live, live events are a bit like that for me, although we, we push it pretty hard and I'm getting older, but it's just that feeling of like, wow, I'm connected here with people that actually get it and we're on the same game. And I don't care if that finite game's happening over there. Good luck to them. That's their thing. That's their, their shtick. I actually want to make sure that I've gone through the right turnstile to the Well, when they're done, you'll still be playing. Yeah. And, and in right? fairness to them, and it is a bit of an us and them, and we need to understand that, is that that's their, that's their deal. They want to finish that game. Now, they I don't know if people ever transition from being a finite game player to being an infinite game player, I know a different... So maybe these two games just naturally exist. I'm saying that I I transitioned. Like, I I think that I was playing a finite game with my with my life, with myself. Like, I, I had to get to this next one, to, this, to do this, and it was always about reaching an end. And now it's, it's a marathon, and even marathons have well, to end. Too, were you an infinite game player is, that was just trapped in a finite field? I think so. I, I think that's another that's another thing to touch on. I also feel like right now I'm looking into a mirror of my future. Right, like you're you're giving me the greatest hits of the books that are on my bookshelf behind me. Like you're, everything that you're laying out there when you said the E Myth. Like there's. Uh, there's a lot of this where it's like I can just hand over the mic to you and I'm not going to come on and you'll probably say the same that I would the wisdom <laughs> but, of the with, crowd, with, on it? this show. You know, the wisdom that's contained in the, I mean, I just finished a book this morning. I picked it up four days ago. I don't, I'm not usually a fast reader. Um, I do still listen to a lot of Audible these days, but if I love the Audible, I'll buy the book because I want the library. I want the tangible. For the, uh, Me too. I le- So I, I, I want the tangible. This, I'm, I'm holding up Infinite Game right here and I haven't actually... I'm, I haven't read the physical pages. I've listened to the book twice, but totally. I uh, I wanted to sit down and do the pages. Now, it, I did pick up a, re- a new habit of reading at least two pages of a physical book a day. And so I am getting through more books, but it's you know one of the habits that I'm tracking every day. And that's, that's awesome. uh, one I'm reading right now is uh, Think Like a Monk. Well, that's I just the, finished this morning. Reading. You'll know, I mean, the book's, uh, what is it, 25 years old, and I'd had it on my list forever, you know, to read. Uh, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I just finished it. Uh, Robert Sharma. Robin Sharma, 5 a.m. Yeah. club. You know, I I feel like I've heard that one before, but I didn't I forgot. Like I, I didn't even know who about it again. So I'm gonna write that down now. And yeah, well a, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is list. in that book, you know. So he's like a he's like a collector, a curator of uh, wisdom of thousands of years effectively that's put it into this sort of mode that it's like resonates when you're reading it oh yeah like a lot of this stuff you think well yeah i've heard of that or i knew of that or well if you to know and not to do is not to know you know that sort of piece is is important as well and we think we know a lot of things but we're actually not doing it um we're not taking that action so even just that reading of you know 15 20 minutes half an hour it's habit stacking really isn't it it's 
you're not trying to get rid of the old one. You're not breaking the old habit. You're actually creating new ones. And the old one soon sort of falls away in the distance. There's a lot of power in habits. I just yesterday released the Atomic Habits for Accountants. There is one? There is one now because I just released it yesterday. <laughs> it's it's a book. It's not. I mean, it's not a book. It's a podcast. It's just a series that Twyla and I, I are doing. It. So it's it's you'll you'll like this because all the books that we're doing, we've already mentioned most of them. So we did that Atomic Habits. We did that's a three part oh, wow. series instead. Okay. Of, that's a three part production instead of just one. And then we're doing we did Ego is the Enemy, Infinite Game. And I think I'm going to take some clips from this and put it in the Infinite Game episode, too. I think I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, we're doing the Atlas of the Heart. And there's a, there's a few that I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to do it. Adam mm-hmm. Grant, either Originals or Think Again. I liked Think Again. That's his newest. That, I that's a great that, one. You know, I'm open for suggestions. Yeah. yeah, I'm open for any other suggestions that you might have that you think we have. to. We're doing books that bridge the gap between mental physical and emotional health as it relates to the accounting profession, right? I mean, as it relates to all of yeah. our lives as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as accountants. Wow. Yeah. James Clear. What a, what a, what a guy, <laughs> you know, in terms of that atomic habit. I call him the habit wow. God. That's yeah, I- <laughs> incredible. I mean, I've sort of then gone a little deeper and further back, you know, and I, I know through, um, I suppose, sorry, Tim, Tim Ferriss with his, you know, just digging into the stoic philosophy piece, which is where a lot of Jack Ryan holiday stuff sort of then really gives us practical use case stuff. Absolutely. And even back to, um, you know, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca and, and Marcus Aurelius Meditations and Epictetus and, you know, those sorts of foundational books that a lot of these guys reference to, you know, over, and these were written thousands of years ago. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, one of the phrases I always used in lots of presentations that I do is success is when opportunity meets preparedness or, you know, and I mean, written in Seneca's letters from a Stoic is that phrase that was written in the first century um, or luck is when opportunity wow. meets preparedness. And here I'm thinking it was a new age sort of, uh, you know, ha- how to get more out of life type quote. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, but it actually was written more than 2000 years ago. Um, and here's the book that references it. Well, that's amazing. Like everything is very cyclical too. I think generations tend to be pretty cyclical. Like it passes on from generation, skips over a generation and then different generations have different mindsets too. And I think we're seeing that changing of the guards, so to speak, happening between generations in worldly. I mean, I think in the United States, for sure, we're seeing that with boomers and, you know, I guess there's a series of generations, but, you know, they, they always highlight the oldest and the youngest whenever it's, talking points right and i don't believe that people are stuck in their age generation like I, like i said earlier age is a mindset and you can choose to believe i recorded a great episode with kelly parks at accounting web where i met you and you know we were talking about that in our episode which will be released by the, at this point but you know there's there's that whole infinite game mindset of generation like we're changing this not for this quarter not for this fiscal we're making this change for this generation and the next generation like this is why we're doing it like you said like when when i'm done it's for the next person even if you don't see it in your lifetime the change is being pressed against and we're all pushing this boulder up the hill i feel like sisyphus sometimes with the accounting industry because once you try to move it forward a bit, it falls down again. Like now they're talking about CAS 2.0 and like, you know, they're just driving a lot of these things that it's 
a lot of it is just t- like it's I, I don't know what it is it's a bunch of fluff you know or or a bunch of like finite ways of thinking and we're getting like to a degree a lot of the publications and everything that's being pushed to us i don't necessarily agree with and and i don't know how to speak out on that because i don't really know i don't think it's my place to say that you should be doing like you said like i think that we're always going to have this world of two different mindsets at play and whether you're a finite player or an infinite player, we can all get along. We can all totally. And that's the, I don't think the finite players get along with us, though. I don't think they choose to get along with us. They don't like well, us. That's the. I think that's the thing that I've sort of had some epiphany or realization around is that instead of to try trying to change their game and change the rules of their game, get in your game. You know. And so the thing there is, it's clean air. And I think the word earlier that sort of came to me was when we're talking about clean air. Um, it's just you just feel lighter. You know, you just you just feel a lot lighter, and and you, look, many of us will know times when we felt like this and couldn't quite articulate. Well, what was the recipe for that? Uh, but it's highly likely that it, it, I suppose what why I was looking at finite and infinite games. It, for me, it actually created a lens to look through as to bring some reasoning as to why have these things fallen apart in the past. And, I, and for us, we've always dealt with multiple vendors, as I said. If one of them sort of performs some sort of act or, or it comes a realisation to us that, oh, my gosh, they're actually in it. Look, self-interest lives, right, in all of us. But they're in it for the purpose to go through me to get to my clients or their behaviour is untrustworthy. You know, there's an ethical base issue here. And you see a lot of companies, they can, they can talk the talk, right? They have it on their wall. We're about values, integrity, all these, you know, cat phrases. I don't care. Like your actions speak so loudly, I cannot hear your words. You know, and so when, when we see things that are incongruent with us at our core value, we need to make a call. We don't necessarily need to go and beat that, uh, that person up and try and force something down their throat that they're just never going to get because they're just in a different game. But we have a choice. We have, we have a choice. We could either get bitter or better. I think that's something I believe live by. When you have an experience that really bitter or better, cuts like at that. your core, you have, and in fact, going back to Victor Frankl and the, you know, psychologists say, we, we have 100% control, and we love control as a species. We have 100% control over how we respond to something. We have almost no control over what happens to us. And so... We can res- choose to respond, not necessarily react, but respond to any situation that occurs to us. And even going back to Marcus Aurelius, you know, 2,000 years ago, you know, nothing is, a- is either good nor bad except our thinking makes it so. Um, now, sure, there's some terrible things that happen in the world, and I'm not, I'm not really putting 100% sort of fits every scenario there, but we do have a lot of control over our thinking and our response. And to pretty much everything, and some of that's automatic. And we have we, we've we've always got a space between what's just happened and our response. What we tend to have done over a long time is actually reduce that space, so it almost seems automatic. And the, the yeah. one of the keys is yeah. to expand the space, you know, between an, an action or something that's occurred and our actual response to it. And now the natural response is to get very defensive when something happens to you that's unmet expectations or misaligned with us as our core value. And so, for example, you know, if a, a software vendor suddenly breaks your partnership agreement or they break pricing on you that you thought was set for life, if they then 
see that, that your client data is in fact their data and it's the, really the client is renting their data through a software subscription. Oh my, really? Are they doing that? I mean, let's ask these questions. If you see a situation where you've brought something up and you've then been gaslighted because that document or that video has been removed the internet, removed from the internet by a software vendor that actually validates and vindicates what you're trying to talk, bring to their attention. Every single one of those, like your client base that you've built, you're, you're, let's say you're recommending software and you're selling software to a, a client, uh, that vendor turns around and, and takes your entire client base and gives it to a, a competitor to you because they no longer want to partner with you. Every single one of those things has actually happened, right? And it's actually happened to us in the, in the last 20 years. So I see a lot of people get incredibly bitter. They, they, or they pivot, they go, all right, and nothing wrong with pivoting, but they say, oh, that vendor doesn't love me anymore. This one does. And so, okay, that may be the case, but be conscious. Are you going into another finite game or are you entering the arena of the infinite game? players. Now, I'm not lumping all vendors in one, one game here. They're the same as everyone else. They have, they, some will play the finite game and it's about winning and control and dominance and going through the profession to actually get a, a transaction occurring. Or, and others will be relationship-based, forever mindset. How can we make this better? How can we create something that was never created before? Think of like an Apple, a Steve Jobs sort of mindset as opposed to a, a Steve Ballmer or, or even maybe Gates early on, you know, he's t certainly reputedly, I don't know him, but reputedly be a very tough person to deal with and very centric on winning. So instead of creating value, you know, bringing more value to the world that didn't exist before. So we have those choices. One of the things I think at the moment for the accounting profession is we need to try and discern who's, who, who's playing which game. We need to know which game we're playing. So we've got alignment there and... I think the reality is there'll always be finite and infinite game players. So how do we know which ones are which? How do we know out of our client base? How do we know out of the firms we're working with? You know, should we move firms because that firm is a finite game player, but there are an infinite game players out there? Because the reality is if you're living a duality and you're trying to straddle that fence between self-interest, keeping what you've got, as opposed to living a pure sort of more centred, congruent life because you really find out that you're an infinite game player but you're, you're caught in a finite game or someone else's finite game, we need to make a call eventually. And usually when make, we make those tough calls, they're agonising. Sometimes we defer them for years. They eat up at us. Uh, but eventually when we make that call, we step into a power zone really. Of, of, uh, we, we feel freer, lighter. Um, we maybe feel some guilt that we didn't do it earlier. But I think everything sort of happens in a, you know, everything's just happening for us, not to us. Uh, so, you know, I think we're right at that moment at this juncture where a lot of what's happened over 30 years, I see the same thing happening again. It's like, oh, ah, there's another one of those. You know, it's a bit like business cycles. Um, so how can we break yeah. that cycle? You know, we're either part of the solution or part of the problem. I think just doing what you're doing, we're talking about it. We're starting there, right? We're bringing awareness because there are a lot of people that feel as though, Particularly in the accounting professional, bookkeeping profession, I hear them a lot of lot of there's a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of small business operators that just feel like a pawn in the game. I have no control, I have no influence over what's being dealt to me. So how could we it's almost like a divide and conquer that's happened in the software space. You know, I've seen large scale tech vendors basically build a channel 
Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being a channel to market unless you don't know that you are, because one day you'll wake up and realize, oh, hang on, I was a transactional channel piece here that was created by someone else. Um, or is this pure partnership? Is this relationship-based? Is this abundance thinking? Is this actually uh, based on innovation and bringing something to a community, being our small business um, owners and operators that never exist before? Are we part of the, a brighter future or are we just trying to carve out and get our piece of this, this pie that has, a, has an endpoint and a zero-sum game associated with it? So I think as a professional... No pun intended, zero-sum. No pun intended, zero sum, because I was just about to say zero changed my life because I feel like they have embodied that and taught that. And and, and it bled into me through a lot of my connections through zero. Uh, I always attribute zero to this podcast, too. And like I indirectly definitely think that they were involved in that part of my mind. Well, that's interesting to say in. that. Like you know, I think for me, I, I got to 2010, having been in this profession and industry for 15 years or so before then. I'd seen this in the 90s. I'd seen multiple vendors, in, particularly in our country, we've been blessed with having a multiple vendor community at, at a high level that, that no one really sort of um, owns the lot, you know, or feels that they'd be... They, sure. Well, been, in the US, we we have yeah. an owner. We have an well, owner in the US. Well, every country eventually yeah. did. Like in Australia, we had MYB as the... It became the incumbent, you know, in the uh, early 2000s, mid-2000s. So I'd seen this at the beginning where... We partnered with a vendor um, to, who I felt as though were going to be in it for life. 28 years later, uh, one of those companies, is, um, well, the vendor is called Reckon, uh, who were the distributor for QuickBooks. Um, and that exists today, that partnership. They're no longer a distributor of the QuickBooks uh, product range. But what was happening in 2010, I felt as really as though we were entering a really messy space, 2009, 2010, and I was really sure. nearly ready to get out of the profession. I felt as though, oh, gosh, we're just ending up in transactions here. There's no real care and community. Uh, the community's been decimated by poor behaviour, like by large tech vendors. In fact, we're, it's just distrust that's accumulated over because of actions that have happened by these tech vendors over time. Enter Rod Drury and Zero, 2010, 2011 in Australia. Went to their very first conference in Australia. There was 35 firms at it. I'm thankful for Wayne Schmidt, actually, who invited me to that event. Wayne was sort of really twisting my arm to come, you know, and I just, oh, I don't know, Wayne, you know. But then part of me is I've always gone to things. I've always attended. I've always turned up. I have Sometimes I have no reason, no idea why I'm turning up. I'm just going. You're afraid you're going to miss that, out, aren't you? Definitely that. <laughs> but you never know what you don't know until you go, you know. If you could go. Yeah, I do have an addiction to conferences and events, for sure. My hand is up. I've, I've I've gained that addiction. I do you know how much I've traveled this year alone? Probably traveled more this year than I had in the last fifteen years. <laughs> every almost every event, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's but it's you know you you get that energy. There's certain people that just really thrive being around others because those that are within your reach, you you can bring a little bit of fun and life into the you know bring a little bit of life into their life right and like what a great purpose i what a great it fuels what me a, what a yeah. uh, privilege yeah. you know to be able to do that man that's oh go oh that's that's just what the monk who sold his ferrari was just talking about exactly what you spoke about right there and then and we think our our purpose is like oh i need to make a million dollars i need to be able to sit on the beach whenever i feel like it i need to have that jet blah 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 hang on what about making a difference to the next person you see and speak to. You have no idea what's going on in their life. 
but can you bring some energy and good energy and, and empathy and connection to that person? What's more valuable? What's more priceless than that? And this community, this tech, accounting tech, actually, for me personally, has enabled that platform. My goodness, it's incredible. I was... And it is tech to, for me because that's what that's what enables me. That's what's given me the privilege to be able to do this. Is is all of these events that tech companies are are putting together in in most yeah. cases. Like Carbon X is, I attribute that to me actually figure. It was a journey to find my purpose. I've been, you know, I actually was consciously trying to figure it out this year, and it took me up until June to pretty much synthesize it into, you know, and maybe I haven't gotten into words yet, but it is really just to bring the fun back to this profession. Oh, man, I, like, I so and, feel that, you know, and, I, and going back to that zero you know, 2011, yeah. it was like I sat in that room, re-energized, thankful, a lot of gratitude in terms of, ah, oh, there's still a future here. You know, there's a future with someone who gets it, who's actually trying to create a genuine partnership. I felt, I felt relieved. I felt like, wow, okay, we just haven't sort of, this hasn't been just an era that disappears. It's like, wow, this is going to happen again. And effectively it has around the world, you know. And so the thing that I thoroughly enjoyed around that in a finite and infinite game piece was to say, okay, how can we discern who is playing which game? You know, because don't just lump everyone in the same bucket here. You may have had a bad experience with an existing vendor. It could be, you know, all sorts of things that have gone on. Don't, don't, don't go down the bitter path. Try and get better. Search for those because there's always going to be other founders, creators that just want to play that infinite game. They understand it, but they're in amongst the same bucket. We put everyone in the same bucket. We need to have these two. Arenas. We do, yeah. We need to discern. So, so what are the signs? What are the questions you can ask yourself? What are the questions you can ask them to determine or put your own prescriptive measure on them as a vendor or as a partner or as an employee or as a person you know where how can you tell if somebody's playing that finite game yeah it's a great question and i you know i'm still working on trying to is there the definitive checklist on this now when i went back that would be dope if there was maybe we should we should put well, one together part of it. stay tuned i mean that's the you know when I first started QA Business and we interviewed multiple vendors, I said to the firm, I said, listen, we need multiple vendors here because we're actually going to commit to creating a business that serves small to medium and size businesses, you know, and, and people aren't, one piece of software isn't going to solve every challenge for every business in this space. And obviously some will need to move on to ERP or large enterprise type software, which we weren't going to play in that space. The, the partners sort of initially said, you need to go and partner, why don't, well, sorry, they didn't say need to, they said, perhaps partner with the biggest who's got the biggest market share because that's where the clients are. And my immediate pushback on that was, hang on, that might be at the moment. The world changes pretty quickly in, in tech. Even in the 90s, we could see that that was the case. There was around 50 vendors. So I had to work out who's who in the zoo here in, in accounting software. You know, there's not a... Who's who in the zoo? And what do they do? So <laughs> I needed to... I need to ask questions that could give me some comfort that I've got done my due diligence in terms of what is the outcome that I want here. I want to know that I'm going to partner with someone who's going to back me up so I can back my client up. This is a back-to-back -back relationship. How long have I got the client for? Hopefully forever. Uh, subject to the client prerogative of moving on, but also subject to our prerogative of moving a client on if there's misaligned values, which we've done you know, numerous times. 
Uh, then I had to actually work out who who could who would allow me to participate in the feedback loop in a way that not allow but embrace embrace the feedback loop genuinely open and hearing what do we need to do how can we be better how can we partner better with you because we want to actually work with you to actually help the and make tangible difference in the lives of the small business community what you know I then interviewed existing partners I wanted to find out from my peers what was that relationship like how's it going you know is it just all lip service or is it actually do you feel as though there's this genuine partnership there so unbeknownst as a 28 26 year old I was trying to just work out which game people were playing because I had this view that I'm in this forever in terms of a forever mindset not that you stay in business forever necessarily you may sell it it's no or move on that's not a problem infinite game players do transact you know they do sell their businesses and they do actually exit that's okay but it's the forever mindset that stays so I wanted to also find and meet permanent what was that a permanence. Yeah, permanence. A, 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 a centeredness, you know, a putting solid ground under something where, you know, perhaps solid ground wasn't. So I wanted to try and at least meet or know as much as I could about the founder, about who's actually creating this. Why Why did they create it? Not just what they're putting on their website or, or putting in their marketing literature. I say that all the time. I say the only time I decide if I'm going to work with a vendor is through the leadership and the founders. That's how I decide. I don't give a what they can and can't do, what the product does, if it if it has these features or not. You know, it's the leadership. And is you know on the product piece, is it a good product getting better? You know, have they got capacity to and and commitment to you know the Kaizen model of continual improvement, like we're all trying to do with being as people. I feel this way about carbon. I, I know I just brought them up, but I, I bring that up again because I always use them as the example. Like I look at to their leadership and. And the way that they operate, and I say that's a that's a model for how a lot of companies should be. They're they're pretty spot on. Uh, I know they people off with their roadmaps, but I love the fact that they do that. I think that's it's encouraging to see where they're going to be and to see their vision change over time. Yeah, and it's important for us as accounting professionals to choose this partnership. This is a choice, right? Um, that we actually have empathy and understanding for the vendor. Sometimes it's a choice. I got another. I got another bring big thing to bring up, but I'm going to let you keep going. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a choice. Well, though. I think the thing too on this is that yeah, we we actually. Where was I going with that? I mean, it, it, look. Ultimately, this is what we need to. We need to have confidence and uh, strength to actually and fortitude, guts really to actually make calls when they're the right one. So if, for example. And we've done this, and I know many other people have done it. If we feel as though this vendor relationship is not a finite, uh, sorry, an infinite game, and we're the infinite game player, if they're playing a finite game, and they've de- clearly demonstrated that through some action that's incongruent at a value core level, we kill it. We 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 terminate that relationship on every round. So I got a good one for you. I'm a part of a franchise, and. I, you know, the funny thing about that is, uh, you know, permanence, right? Like I sign that and I find out that it is definitely permanent. It is, it is so infinite in, in the way that it is. I can never terminate that contract. I can't do it. They won't let me leave. So I'm in, I'm stuck in perpetuity or purgatory in this franchise and and they are the definition of finite every bit of the branding 
is so finite. Everything, and I didn't know. Like that's that's what you were kind of saying or kind of hinting at before. It's like an infinite person trapped in a finite. And I've just at this point now, it's just I'm the one who signed the thing ten years ago, whatever that means. And now I'm like, I'm kind of in that purgatory, but at least I'm free in knowing that's how it is. And that's why I do this podcast. That's, you know, partly I got out of the business because I needed to get out of the business and I needed to be able to operate it from outside and, and not have to be stuck in that day-to-day work. And, you know, getting out of client work was hard. After getting out of that, I was able to give back. And now this is my way of giving back to the profession but I really had to shed some of my skin there. And, and they are trying to change, I think, but not really because I'm stuck. Like that's, yeah. So I, I don't mean to make this about me oh. or to complain, but it came up and it's, it's like the synthesis of the definition of a finite mindset that I'm actually stuck in and I can't let go of totally. like uh, for my business, for my livelihood. That's, that's all of my income. I mean, that's... but. They're taking, they're scraping off a lot of my income too for whatever, you know, I don't know what they're providing at this point, but I guess they're trying to provide value. Well, there are, yeah. and, you know, sorry to hear that, but it's it, that there are others in exactly the same <laughs> position. So it's almost like putting a mirror up to us, like, okay, now what do I do? Now, you touched on a couple of things there. One is, and I was just going to round out on the, how do you, how do you work out if it's a finite game or not? You've got to read the T's and C's, you know, in terms of the contract. You have to. <laughs> I never did this. I ne- you know, these partners in software I. companies, you know, when you when we go back now, and the other thing, the other thing you've got also too is now you've got awareness and consciousness, right? So you do have that. You have that awareness now. Now, not saying that that's what you wanted, but you where people don't know that that's the finite game and they're just thinking going along, oh, everyone's playing the same game as me, there's going to be a, a, a big whack-a-mole, is it, where you're going to get belted somewhere down the track or the whole thing's just going to capitulate on the terms of the creator of that finite piece that they've, they've signed you in for. So I know there's a buy beware and everything else around that, but the reality is when we sign our terms and agreements with software vendors, and often that's just through accepting a license agreement, we have some sort of yeah. faith that, hey, surely the industry and the profession has sort of worked this through and I'm, I'm a part of it. Why do I need to go through every little fine piece here um you know i've taken a leap of faith really how many of us really read oh, wow. the terms and, and agreements for apple like or for anything like here's an update yeah. read all the like no none of us i mean i that. think the yeah. ones that are doing it if i look at the accounting profession and this and the software vendor community that partners, we should be yeah some of the big firms that announce these big global partnerships you know you know them I, their partnership agreements are different to the ones we've signed because their lawyers have gone through it and taken out this, inserted that, changed it. So we're not we're not all signing up for the same thing, actually. Which I think I think our profession. I think our- that's a disparity, though. That's that's kind of like the market as a whole, right? Like you buyer beware, yeah, but, but buyer doesn't have time to read all that. We don't have the resources. No, we're part of a profession yeah. and associations as well. We've got we pay memberships to uh, membership organisations that couldn't they do some heavy lifting around this and actually. Don't get me on that because some of them have vested interest, you know, from software vendors where they actually have an income stream to promote these. Mm, we're starting to see that too. We're starting to see that more and more, or at least people are starting to throw rocks at that and point, yeah. point it out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then look, eventually, uh, you know, I know in one case, one example for us, and it happened to others too, was where we built this software vendor relationship that had gone for 25 years. 
there was a lot of recurring income in there. So it was a very attractive model. It was a recurring business. It was a SaaS model really in the 90s, you know, that very early. It was actually equal. It was greater than our net profit, the income that we were generating from those recurring commissions and also the services that we ran off the back of that. And eventually they would, unbeknownst to me, they were selling their business. They wanted to get me and QA out of their partner network for free. And they did give our client list to a competitor. We were in the process of actually selling and transacting on that business for a quite a nice multiple revenue uh, multiplier. And they gave it all away. They took it out from under us. And they, they actually took our client list as well and gave it to this competitor and then sold the business a couple of months later. So I could have then got caught up in the whole legal thing. It was a bitter or better moment, definitely. And, you know, I could have gone down that rabbit hole. But I'm sitting here and I could have got an NDA slapped on me if I went and settled. No, I'm able to talk about this. And the other thing is I've seen, yeah. you know, large-scale incumbents. I mean, look, there's some incumbent or there's some software providers around the world that are actually getting fined by our governments for unconscionable behaviour and deception. I mean, since when was that okay? And since when were we not allowed to talk about that? You know, so that we, as a profession, we should, I believe, we should have, and it's up to, probably up to, it is up to us to create it. I've been talking about this long enough, but I, I think we need to actually get together as a community to say, hey, you might dish up a partnership agreement to us that we sort of sign unknowing or without really reading the details and understanding the implications. Sure. I want to give you, before we sign this, our ethical standard agreement. So I want to actually know that these sorts of what's written into your partner agreement to stop that type of activity and behaviour. What's the recourse if we actually get to a dispute resolution piece? It's just at the moment it's all stacked in the software vendor camp because they believe that they've created the channel and the channel is the accounting profession to sell and distribute their products. <laughs> Well, we're seeing that we're seeing that more and more too, and and it's very important for us as as customers of this to be able to start seeing the signs. And this is a very valuable book. There's a lot of valuable lessons in there. Like when I brought up world's number one, you know, he talks about how the British Airways said we are the best, or we are, like, there's just, it, it, there was one of, the, one of those examples, but when, whenever somebody claims to be the best, that's a f- pure, finite yep. Yep. way of thinking, because there is mm. no best. There's those ups and downs, there's evolutions, there's, but nobody's ever the best at anything, and, I, and that's something that I've, that I've talked about a lot. You, um, it was, it was the equity, where was it? I, I jotted down the note and now I forgot. Uh, I got a fly that flew in my mouth. I got a bunch of flies in my basement today too. I'm not sure what's going on. Hazardous. Hazardous so, work. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> I got the easiest job of anybody these days. I, I just sit and talk to people. So you said you built career capital, right? And you didn't want to let that go to waste. And... You know, you're bridging you're bridging the gap between techs and the pro- tech and the profession. I usually say tech and tax because it uh, there's alliteration there, but it's tech and the profession or the profession and tech, and you're able to design your life around that around your best outcomes. So you're forever gonna be on that plateau of peace, right? Like that plateau of pleasantry. I'm. I'm sort of doing the same thing. I've built a lot of, like my grandfather 
had a CPA yep. firm. My dad was a CPA. The name of this show currently, but definitely by the time this airs, it's accounting high, but it was yeah, sons yeah. of CPAs. I'm the son of CPA. I live through that and my I'm surrounded by it, but I'm a, I'm a creative at heart. Like I want to do things, you know, I want to create things and I never felt trapped because I was always, the finite part of me was, this is a means to make money. And I didn't, I didn't have the passion for the profession set, let's say. I do now. I understand a lot more than I did before, but before I was using the profession to make money. It wasn't, I wasn't giving back to it. I was using it. I was, you know, we, we talked about, we had an episode called Partners we we actually did two parts and the partnership part with tech vendors we had this discussion of partners or vendors and i love the way you put it you said partnership with tech vendors cuz I, I i was saying like i used to call them mm-hmm. vendors in a in a prior life i used to say you know you work for me this is not and and that changed through zero and then it's forever changed for me now. I see them as partners. We're on the same platform. We're on the same you know, stage, mm, yeah. so to speak. And we're all seeing eye to eye. And, and I always thought I was, they were working for me. And, and you, know, you have clients that sometimes have mm-hmm. that mindset. That's a finite mindset. But that's also because I wasn't incongruent with the profession. It was always for mm. me. It was always supposed to be propping yep. me up. And now that it's, to me, now it's not about money. Now I'm not using anything for my personal gain. I only can give back. I got nothing to gain because I've gained everything I needed to gain from it. I've, I've made money. I have a business that works for me. I'm very appreciative of everything I've got that I can only give back because that's what feeds me. Like now it's like, to me, it's about educating and entertaining. Like it's a cheap way of doing edutainment right saying that word I'm trying to figure out a, a fun word or a playful word for that haven't figured that out yet but balancing that and bridging that gap of entertainment and accounting right um <laughs> there's something to be said there everything i do is kind of like now at this point i'm doing raps this is what i was getting at so i've always wanted to be a rapper i've always wanted to rap that was that's just where my head was at eminem changed my life and his first album is infinite mm-hmm. That's the name of his first album, like bridging this whole infinite game mindset. And, but for me, like now I've, I've got the career capital. I'm doing a podcast and now I'm free to write raps and I'm doing it now. Like, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to call them app raps, right? I did one for giraffe. Can't leave accountant alone. The game needs me. Plan is more strategic. Tech, it ain't freezy. I did one for another another company, yeah. And it's the age of the super app. Age of the super app. Age of the super app. I'm having a lot of fun with that. So I'm just remaking songs from that I grew up with, like doing parodies of of the songs that defined my life. I did the first one I did was called CP Aliens. <laughs> Foolish is how I act, but you know I ain't no fool. Thinking about how a podcast about accounting can be cool, like AJ to the ES, because we adjust the journal entries. And homie, I think I made it, but I'm not automated. Finally, in decline engagements that we tolerated, and now I'm rapping on a track that Outcast created. And it was it was an Outcast song that's called ATL, right? So I took that and then changed it over. So it's like 
it's almost like kind of how you backed into it. Now I'm backing into it, but everything that I do is still for accounting professionals because that's me still. It all it will always be me. Yeah, well, I mean, you're actually yeah. receiving by giving. You know, I mean, you've got the it's like a, a order of things. We create a living by what we get and a life by what we give. You know, that sort of mindset and mentality. So, you know, I think you, you, it's wonderful. You can see that you've worked this out, um, but there's a journey to go through to actually. It all happens by accident, though. You said this. And I don't want to interrupt you anymore, but I, I, this is like a greatest hits of everything you've said. Like accidental accountant. Blake Oliver just recently told me that everything I've done is accidentally on purpose. <laughs> like almost everything in my life has just been accidentally, but on purpose at the same time too. And it's like, I'm trying to work all of this out and figure it out or synthesize it into words, but it's all just always been happening. It's all just accidentally well, On you went purpose. through the turnstile right, to get right. yourself in the arena, first of all, you know, or out of the other arena into this arena. So give yourself credit on that. And it's almost it's serendipity, I suppose. You know, I, I love that phrase. I was, when traveling, you know, serendipity traveling or serendipitous moments, fortunate accidents. Um, you know, I I, <laughs> I I was reading and listening to um, Tim Ferriss actually many years ago and, you know, huge fan, followed, you know, read his book. I was actually reading his book on an aeroplane coming back from uh, San Jose to Australia. And he was actually coming to Australia in a few weeks' time. You know, I booked in to see him and taking a few mates to it. And you've got to come and see this guy. This is quite a few years ago, maybe eight years ago. Anyway. Um, was it four-hour yeah, work? Yeah, so I just finished reading. I, okay. In fact, I read it on the plane. And I had this feeling on the plane. I thought, maybe he's on the aeroplane. You know, I just had this innate feeling that he's here somewhere and and i was i walked around the whole plane I was, no i'd like him in business and I, I walked around the whole plane i was sort of looking at everyone no no he's not here okay whatever i just had this feeling you know and anyway i get to sydney airport and i i'd just come back from vegas from a doug's leaders conference and i had a t-shirt that said my name is alan and i bought a giraffe you know straight off the hangover and i get into sydney airport with my wife and I look around the, uh, we're at the uh, Virgin Lounge, you know, ready to catch the next flight. And everyone's in suits or uh, high-vis wear. They're off to the mines or whatever. And one guy was in a Hootsuite T-shirt. And I've just, I said to Jacinta, I think that's Tim Ferriss. You know, it's like, it's like I, I was trying to work out, you know, when people uh, think that they've seen, they're going to see a um, Yeti or a Yowie or a Bonneville Snowman and then everything looks like one. And I'm thinking, oh, that, that, I think that's him. And so here I am on, and I just finished the book. And I'm on Google going past, you know, just trying to work out, is that him or not? I thought, oh, I'll never know unless I ask, you know. So I walked up to him and said, hey, mate, your, your name's not Tim, is it? And he said, it sure is. Uh, Tim Ferris." And uh, I said, oh, you're not, not going to believe this. I just finished reading your book and I thought I'd meet you. And he's just gone, wow, that's so cool. Sit down. Let's have a chat. I'm, I'm out here doing a tour. What should I talk about? And, you know, got the photo and all this sort of stuff. And he wrote in the book. And so, you know, look. And there's there's countless other stories that I could could relate to you around similar. I got I got one like that. Yeah, uh, it's not even like that, but it's like I felt like it was similar because I felt like it happened for yeah. me, right? Like I was I don't know what it was that day or something something was going on, and, and I was just like, I think Eminem's going to come out with a new album. And he hadn't come out with an album for a while, and most of his albums before that were that he had a, a string of they weren't that great. He was in a bad place. And then I just like, I kind of like felt it. 
and I looked, I don't know how, what I did or what, whatever happened, but that night he came out with a surprise album. Nobody knew it was coming out. He hadn't told anybody. This is no publicity about it. Mum's the word. And it was just out that day. It wasn't like running into him. But then when I started listening to it, it tapped into everything that I had been thinking and feeling for that prior month too. Like the messaging and everything that he was doing was just like synthesizing all of those words too. And I was just like, this happened for me. I obviously it wasn't. And and it's, it's one of those things that it's just like, you know, you felt like he was on the plane and you still saw him like that was, I mean, it's a, and that's, a cra- that's so crazy. Right. Well, like, he also did a podcast. Manifest it. Right. Well, he did yeah. a podcast with Derek Sivers. I don't know if you know of Derek. He created a business called CD baby back in the nineties and was an online store for music creators and independent artists. And he, he sold it, made a lot of money and he's put all that money back into sort of fostering um, emerging artists as well. Amazing guy. And Tim Ferriss calls him one of his favorite humans, if not his most favorite human. And he's had him on the podcast a few times, but, they did an episode where, well, Derek as well did, what are the chances? And it was describing exactly this. And it was just a few years later. What are the chances of actually something happening that you just thought you thought about? And this happens all the time to us, doesn't it, in terms of, hey, I was just about to ring you. I just thought of you. And someone messages you. It's like, wow. And sort of describing this thoughts are things and the ether and sort of like, you know, the universe sort of has this pattern that's sort of occurring that we can just tap into from time to time. It's almost like, oh, yeah, I'm up here. I'm in that. I'm out of that. I've, I've heard enlightened enlightened yeah. beings yeah so, hey you know I, I i have no reason to doubt that <laughs> because of these moments and so you know he he then tim ferris then went on to describe well i thought i was gonna i really wanted to meet jeff bezos and you know i sort of dialed it in and thought i'm gonna meet him you know one day i'll meet him anyway um he was thinking of him you know and he was in lucerne or something somewhere in switzerland or somewhere in europe and he was in his hotel and he was going out for a midnight run and he was coming down in the elevator and the elevator opens and there's Bezos with uh, his family getting in the elevator. And, T- and Tim and Derek are talking. I said, well, what, did you, what did you do? And Tim just goes, I was so shocked I did nothing. I, I, I couldn't even muster up the words to say hello. And, and I walked out and they walked in and the elevator went up. And so it's a moment wow. too, don't you, you know, as well. So, Well, it's... I, you know, and that, I, I think that kind of just that's and Jeff didn't know no. who Tim was. Right. No. Like at no. that no. point, he had no yeah. idea. And that was, you know, and I, I, you know, I think those kind of things is just like we're tapping into something, you know, something bigger. And some, like there's just waves of energy, yeah. too. Right. Like and you kind of just feel yeah, that absolutely. this is a lot of like I, and maybe maybe we'll all understand this maybe. one day. Maybe they'll be like documented reasons for this and we'll figure that out but as always just little seeds right little seeds are being planted and put you to this next thing and this is why and subconsciously you know we're we're all being driven in certain directions and everything that we do is building up towards something else and every conversation that we have is like you know documented in our brains and we're just you know it's all we're all just part of that bigger machine and that's why also you don't want to fight with with reality you want to fight with everything else that's kind of what you you were saying earlier too like we have no control over anything else besides how we react and tim was definitely in control of himself in the elevator he had no idea what to say and he probably if he did say something he might have made a fool of himself you know like and 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 so like you know we're but we're in control of how we react to all the situations and 
you know, the way I react to this whole franchise thing, you know, I just, I try not to pout. I try not to make, make a mess of it, but also like, I don't, I, this is, this is different for me because this is a big deal and I don't know how to react to it. I don't know what to do about it. Do I got to fight it? Do I got to just deal with it and lay down and just let it, let it all happen? I mean, technically I signed that thing, but the way I react, it's poison to me if I let it get to me, right? Like it's, you know, I could choose to drink the poison or I could choose to, you know, or even not even call it poison, like try to make the best of it too. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, um, look, I think, and look, I suppose when you, when you start out, you know, we tend to have nothing right in terms of what we think we need to hang on to. It's almost like, Hey, I've got nothing anyway, so I might as well just go, you know, and be bold and be brave. And then we start to accumulate stuff and also a perception as well, you know, an image that we maybe want consciously or unconsciously crafted. We then feel as though we've got things to lose and, and things to live up to, which actually creates a bigger challenge for us because we lose a sense of our freedom of choice or a perception of freedom of choice really around that, I think. So it's stepping back into that power zone. And I often talk about, well, what if someone took everything away from you? Well, eventually that's going to happen anyway. You know, we're not here forever and eventually we're going to go out with nothing. We might perceive and believe that we had something and except for what we have created is these personal connections. We've brightened up someone's day. We've made it, maybe made an impact. We've had a list. We've listened to someone when they ne- needed someone to talk to. They, we may have had a word of encouragement. You know, it's those little things, you know, that make the big difference. And we have the ability to do that with our clients every day, irrespective as to whether we feel as though we're stuck in some contract or relationship that actually is. Because if we're inwardly focused, then we're thinking about that. Whereas what, what can we control? We can control the next conversation we, we have with someone. We can initiate a conversation. We can initiate caring and empathy. We could bring insights to someone where we feel as though, you know what, surely everyone knows that. But no, a small business owner and operator that's trying to manage their cash flow or, or they're up all night manually writing their invoices or, you know, hey, what, we've got a better way that maybe you could handle that. Buy back time in your life. And that for us, our, our one three hundred number or 1-800 number is one one three hundred buy time. You know, we're, we're wanting to help clients buy back time oh, wow. in their life. Why? So that they could actually channel that time and utilize it in an area that's more important and relevant to them time with their kids you know why would we build a business that would take time away from our family ultimately and and potentially risk that family relationship now there's a price to pay to build something and create something but we have control over actually how we structure that we are this is a blank sheet of paper like business and life is a blank sheet of paper we can design and create the future however it is that we choose no one, in fact, and if we don't do that, someone else is going to design it for us in the way that they choose. And so that's the thing I think we need to get back to and go, ah, okay, right, I do have power here. And even if it's in the fact that the next client I speak to and the next person I speak to and exactly what you're doing, you haven't let that situation actually hamstring in terms of sharing your energy and, and your soul with the rest of the world and our community. In fact, you've doubled down completely doesn't phase me at all the only time it phases me is when i gotta pay my royalties yeah. otherwise yeah. it is it is like it's 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 there it's just part of it now and now it's just now like i'm i'm, I'm serving a bigger right. purpose and i'm trying to give back in every way i can you know they're 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 doing their thing 
I'm doing my thing, right? Like and everybody's everybody's move, marching toward the beat of their drum. Some people are playing the finite game. Some people are playing the infinite game. But, you know, it, when you're playing your own infinite game, the only person that you're playing against is yourself. Totally. And you're going to better yourself. And you can be better tomorrow than you were today. Every day is we can have these incremental gains. And as long as we're iterating and we have our feedback loops opening and we're always trying to improve and we're hit, sticking to our systems, then nobody else can really harm us in to a large degree. I mean, technically, yes, people can harm us, but not really, you know, it's not, it's only how, how we react to that is what's yeah, harming absolutely. unless it's physical, but there's, there's a whole other element there, but otherwise, you know, there's we're just a, a product of a lot of different happy accidents, right? Or they can be un, unhappy accidents. It matters your mindset and how you how you approach all of those. Yeah, things. and there's a there's, lot of you know. I mean, in our world, we're a, in a, a world that's actually there's a lot of battles going on, isn't there? And there's a lot of people that want to draw you into the battle. So there's this whole us and them, and it's it's uh, you know you've, you've got to fight for that. There's only so much energy. You know, you're either uh, utilizing your energy in a way that sort of is is for the greater good. And I love the phrase too, you know, what, what harms that harms the bee harms the hive, you know, because sometimes we, we need to step into a power and talk about things that are important that are impacting the community, our community. Now, that's not necessarily saying that that person we need to extinguish or, or that behaviour, if they're going ha- to consciously perform that behaviour, there's going to be a price. They'll get an outcome and it'll either be positive or negative or or we, we have a choice to stay with them or continue to support that behaviour, or we call it out. That's fine. We're not necessarily going to change it, but I think when we start to speak our truth in a respectful way too, it's not a really a matter of sort of, I think if you're disrespectful or you actually try to just really harm that other person, then we're actually harming ourselves. And so that... that yeah, that. yeah. That's what, and then that's basically what I was going to, how I was going to react to that because it's like, you know, anything that we project, we're projecting a lot of times. Anytime we're critical or, or judgmental of something else or somebody else, usually you got to always look at where those other fingers are pointing, right? When you point one finger at somebody else, you're pointing three back at you. And and that's that's always the case when it comes to us, you know, versus us improving. You know, we can't control what other people do. We can only control how we react, right. And I love that. That's like the theme to that's one of the themes we've had. We've had a many, many weaving themes in and out of here. And I like this. We started with farm and, and, and some sheep and cattles. And now we're, we're onto the, the outside of the atmosphere, right? We're going inward, inward, not even outward. We're doing everything in right now. We're going, we're going deeper within that entrepreneur, yeah. right? I got to have Rory on. I haven't had him on yet. Yeah, and, do that. You know, we've crossed paths a few times yeah. too. No, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed so uh, yeah i i enjoyed uh i enjoyed our chat this is this has been great um yeah i i have a lot of things on the tip of my tongue and i i think um you're on that same wave like every everything that we were we were kind of saying we were staying at the same pace Um, yeah i think something that sort of struck me just a few minutes ago when we were talking was you know we talked about events right and and getting in that arena and and you know that incredibly energizing you know for me personally and i think at that moment when i saw it went to that zero con in 2011 and i was sitting in the room i was just like wow 
here's a founder, a creator that's put it all on the line for the purposes of actually creating and making something different to what was already in existence in a better way, um, in a more collaborative partnership way. And I want to see like Zero, for example, completely continue to double down on those partnerships and relationships to be the differentiator in our space, you know, that just says, hey, this infinite game is happening and we're playing it and we're over here. Come join us if you want to. I mean, that's, um, you know, others might not be playing the finite game. That's just, it just gives that opportunity for the community to discern and decide which way you're going. And, and then that fosters another community, you know, in the third-party app community. You know, you don't have to follow the playbook of the finite game player if you are not that. So go get on the infinite game. Yeah. And this just self-perpetuates of abundance and, and you know, just, just accelerates what we can achieve together. But the thing on the learning side too, for me personally, going to events was all about really, uh, I didn't realise it was so much about the connection at an inter- when I was going international, but it is. You know, it is this, exactly what we're doing here, man. You know, the fact that we, we caught up in San Diego and, and now we're having this co- quite a deep conversation together, which I'm getting so energised from actually chatting with you. This has just made a difference yeah. to my day and, and catching up with my kids and my family after this is like, I'm going to bring that energy to that, you know, because you've actually... And you're going to be all smiles, which I think you're always yeah. all smiles. Um, not always. And, you know, and one thing that I... You know, it's not all, all bitter roses, but we have that choice again to, to bring that energy because out of pure self-interest, smiling actually and, and you know, bringing that energy forward uh, from a self-interested point of view is good for you. So... Of course. Yeah. Well, it's, there's a, and and one thing I always have to remind myself is I have to be completely independent of the thoughts and opinions of others. And I can only bring my own energy to anything. Um, But one thing is when I say that is like, sometimes I have to be independent of people's good opinions and thoughts too, because I'll let that get to me and I'll, and I'll let that affect my mood and it'll put me in a better mood, but then quickly I could see something else and then somebody says something else and that could also deteriorate yeah, my mood. And, and you're on this too. It's, uh, uh, ebbs and flows of, of uh, being controlled by those um, perceptions. Yeah, yeah, by the good and bad. So I'm trying to be indifferent to that. That's one thing I'm trying to learn. But I really get energized from these conversations and, and you know, talking with the right people and hitting the right chords of a conversation really brings me brings out the best in me in other ways too. You know, sometimes I got to be careful because I get too amped up at this time of night and it'll be harder for me to fall asleep too. Like, so I gotta, I gotta work that out too. Cause I try to get my, my eight hours of sleep every night. That's hard. Uh, sometimes oh, it's but, interesting. You say like that yeah. um, piece of, I can remember the founder of the company that I said, you know, I had lunch with and he um, said, where do you want to take this? And I, and I, I can recall vividly, this is more 20, more than 20 years ago saying, well, you know, I just like to be admired and respected. Now that sounded like a great thing at the time. And it, it, I suppose what I was saying to myself was I just want to live a true life in a, and be a good human. And then I think naturally from that people sort of see and, and respect you from that. Now, what I've learned since I suppose though is hang on, those two things admired and respected are again, out of my control. I have no control over that, yeah. right? So trying to peg what I want with, uh, uh, with something that I have absolutely no control over is, is a fool's errand, you know, because I didn't have control over funny. that. Now, that may be, some people may see it that way, that you, oh, yeah, my respect, some others go, you know what, no, they, there might be jealousy, there could be all sorts of things. I, I had to let that go. I, I really stripped that back and said, no, that's not my goal, to be admired and respected. My goal is to live true to me. 
you know, to actually be the authentic, congruent me that actually lives my values uh, and doesn't shy and shirk away from that. It's this exact same journey. I, when I started this podcast, I always told, I, I, was, I have a conversation with somebody and I said, I'm doing this because um, I want to be respected. Like I, I want respect because I feel like, but then I realized I, I, I thought I wanted everybody else's respect. That's what I kept saying. And then later it evolved into realizing that I need to respect myself. That's what I wanted. I, I wanted to respect my, it wasn't about other people respecting me. I could give a shit if somebody respects me or not now, like before that was it. That was the reason I was doing this. Cause I wanted everybody else to say they admired it and they respected what I was doing. And I wanted them to like it. And I was doing it for that. I'm doing it for them, but not for their opinion of me. I'm doing it for them, yeah. for them period. And it's, and I had to change that about my mindset. And now I'm doing this for me selfishly, unapologetically. I am being me, doing it for me. And you're going to get something out of it because I'm doing it for you, right? Like that's a, is a double-edged uh, sword there, but both edges of that sword are good. It's not like a bad, a bad thing. Like it might sound bad, but my words and my actions sometimes don't get married every way like you were saying how the some businesses they put this vision on the board and their actions don't match their words like i'm i feel like i'm sometimes doing the opposite now like i i don't have the good words to say i don't i don't always have the great words to say about myself i say a lot of self-deprecating i make fun of myself all the time i act like i don't have the self-respect that i actually do have now so it's it's kind of funny when you have that resolve and you grow into understanding that I'm doing this to better myself and I hope other people get something out of it. And that's, that's what I'm intending now. And I think that was kind of always what I was intending subconsciously or unconsciously, but now I care less about their opinions. And I, and I love how that's, that's sort of the journey you went on and you figured that out. Cause I didn't realize it till you just said it, put that into words. It's like always synthesizing these things and figuring out the right words for well, them. Well, it's right? constantly re-reminding that we're getting that sort of um, from others or ourselves or our self-talk. I mean, we, gosh, we're chatting to ourselves, you know, a lot faster than <laughs> anyone else is going to talk with us. But I, I love, I love sort of that. That's detachment too. Oh, yeah. We can get into that, but that's a, that's a whole nother um, aspect of this monk yep. um, talk. Totally. Right. It's just that um, I think one of the things, I, and growing up in Australia, particularly in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, like it, that formative years is we, um, I felt as though as a society, we had a lot of irreverence. You know, we, we didn't take ourselves too seriously. Um, it was like a, a lot of kinship, a lot of mateship. Um, you know, we're in it together. Um, it, it was sort of a, like a we instead of a me sort of community. And again, this goes in cycles. You know, there's cycles of the we generation, me generational movements, um, not generation so much, but but phases that occur. Um, so that uh, reverence. Because that's shifted too. Yeah, that's yeah. changed a little totally. bit, right? Yeah, more nationalist now. And it's uh, it's a little bit, uh, yeah, yeah. In, your, in your neck of the woods. But but it was more of a very communal and started as community, but you're you're still latching on to that. That's still part of your persona, your yes, life. Yes, and... And how you're that gonna sort be. of piece is then, um, yeah, you talked about, you know, self-deprecating type, you know, just that sort of um, not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, and then and the, probably the, the community uh, that was more so that and it's probably held on to it for longer is the New Zealanders, you know, the Kiwis. And I saw that in 
rod, you know, that boldness, that confidence, that just self-assuredness, not an arrogance or a overconfidence. It was just a, hey, this is what we're going to do, you know, and let's just go do it. You know, let, we're going to build better schools and hospitals for uh, creating a business that actually comes out of a, a small bunch of rocks in the South Pacific. You know, you used to say that. And, and that, you know, you, that just resonates with people. It's like, yeah, we're doing it for the right reasons. And people will back and support people in on that. Don't feel as though it's a, a zero-sum game and, and some others will try and knock you out. It's okay. No one's going to take you out because you're actually on a different playing field. It's not as though they can reach over to that field and take the game out. No, they're too busy playing their own game on the finite game field. To even re that, so trying to knock out all those other finite game players, but this is an infinite game over here. Sorry, we're on a completely different stratosphere yeah. to what's going on over here. It may not look like that in the near term, and and when everyone's measuring each other with the same metrics, or the other parties are, and you you know public companies have got their quarterly reporting, and people get their bonuses on based on short term performance and short term outcomes. But not every organisation operates like that. And so that's another defining sort of differentiator. And so it's up, up to us as discerning people and professionals, particularly in the accounting space, to, to work that out. You know, that's just, a, that's just a challenge for us, you know, that can be solved. We love challenges. This lived up to everything I hoped it would be, this, this episode. I mean, this is, I was a little nervous too. Like I wanted to bring my best self, bring my A game here but you brought all the energy you you brought the conversation i, I was a little nervous about oh, it mate. so appreciate you uh, well you laid it out taking uh, this we into your weekend out, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is great um so so yeah are you are you doing any traveling are you going to be at any conferences in the future yeah good question you know i i, I went to conferences one thing i want to touch on was People ask, Clayton, you're doing all this travel. Uh, you know, I was going to the States, actually, or North America six times a year uh, before COVID hit. I was speaking or attending various events. And I'd been doing that for five or six years. COVID to me was like just a blessing. It was like in terms of the, 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 the purposeful reset. It's like he who is everywhere is nowhere. So I was very conscious around that phrase. It made me realize more about that. So I'm a lot more discerning as to what I'm doing and where I'm going. I... Just want to make sure it's infinite game players that that I'm actually hanging out with. So I, there's this I say no to things now that I don't. I, I've discerned that they're the finite game players. So this has been a real help to me to work out where I'm going next and who I'm catching up with. So yeah, I'll be in New Orleans actually, or Nola or Nolans or however you really do say it, in a few weeks. Uh, in a few weeks. So yeah. Um. Oh, that's awesome. I I, I believe you may have. Um told me that already but everybody asked me are you going to ZeroCon? everybody asked me i'm going to ZeroCon, but i feel like that should be obvious like i this zero is my life of course i'm gonna be there so excited to be there and uh, catch up there and you know i've got i've got a few then events but one before that and then i've got three after that back here in australia so with various groups that i'm working with bookkeeping franchise group there's an association and also a software company or fishbowl actually fishbowl inventory they um my first employee I actually runs Fishbowl yeah. Australia, so he went off and built that. Wow. Including when he was 19 years Dope. old and, you know, 20-something years later, he's, he's asked me to come back and speak at his national conference, so that'll be lovely to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fishbowl's doing some great things. I see Don Brolin as a mouthpiece for them or a, a, yeah. speaker, a speaker for them around in, in the States. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, I, it's something that came at the tip of my tongue, and now now I just oh. forgot what it was. Whilst so, you're thinking uh, of it, that, we will think but, of it. Yeah. Is I just wanted to really round out the <laughs> fact that why was I coming to the states initially? It was 2011. I was, and that's what I, I was, was wondering say, yeah. about. I'd seen mm-hmm. ZeroCon in, in the July. I'd actually booked it to come to an event, Doug Sleater's conference, actually SleaterCon in in 2011. I'd, I'd only been out of Australia once, and that was the year before. I was 42 years old, never had a passport, and I think this next trip is going to be trip number 39. You know, internationally in the last nine years. So, it's, oh wow! Um, because I always felt so I'll build my business, and then I'm going to go. I want to be able to travel with that experience as well, which this profession and industry has enabled. But I, I've heard a guy talk to on one day. It was on a cassette tape back in the 90s about Clayton. Have you got a learning fund? And I thought, what is a learning fund? And he said, look, essentially take 10% of your income and put it towards your future learning and growth and personal development and business development. And I, I sort of did that. I, I, I wanted to, I was always an avid breeder. I bought books. I went to seminars. I attended events in Australia, not just in our profession, but left field thinking, all sorts of different things. And then um, at the, your business, my business started to grow, you know, and it, it was actually producing more. So, okay, I needed to spend more money being the 10%. And so then international travel, really, I thought, oh, now I can afford to go overseas to an event. And that was 2011 SleaterCon in, in Vegas. And then from I purely went there as an attendee just to learn more. And I was blown away. It was like, wow, these people, the, the human heart connection just was set in stone, man. It was like, great, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm coming back. And came back the next year just as an attendee. We then started bringing 40 to 50 Australians with us sort of each year as a, as a community. I said, hey, guys, let's go do this. It was like a, a tour. You know, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. um, and then Doug asked me to speak at his conferences, which was an incredible honour. You know, I'd been doing some speaking in Australia and it's like, oh, man, this guy believes in me. I don't know if I believe in me. Jeez, I, I had imposter syndrome the whole lot, you know, seriously. I still yeah. have it. I'm still just trying to shed it, yeah. <laughs> totally. I'll yeah. keep it at bay, but it's, it's my, I sort of dance with it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can kill it. I don't think I ever will, but I learned yeah. how to dance with it. Well, Greg Kite gave me some good advice too. I mean, it's almost like you know you're always going to have that stage fright, excitement, anxiety around it because you want to do well too, and because you want to improve, you're always going to feel like you're out of place, right? You're always going to feel like you're you've got room. Well, to the grow. presenter gets the most out of the presentation, you know. I mean, because it, yeah. the effort and energy and you poured into it, you know, the respect. If, if you're feeling nervous, and I always still feel nervous on stage, going onto that stage. Uh, that's just about respect. That's respecting the audience. You're respecting the audience's time, yeah. energy, and effort to get there and be in that room. That's just actually creating that connection and, and uh, knowing that hey, that's a it's a privilege and an honor, you know, to be on this stage. Some people see it as a right, and that they hey, I need to be there and blah blah blah. It's like hey, I've I've never expected it, really. I, I mean, I have probably dialed it in in the subconscious for sure. I, I found my old goals list when I was 19 years old. I found it in the garage a couple of years ago. And I showed the kids and things I'd written down at age 19. At top, first, the top of it was to speak at, uh, speak internationally around the world um, and encourage and motivate people. And I had not even seen that for 20 years, that book. So it was like, wow, oh, my gosh, this actually happens. You called yeah. it, right? You called it. That's a manifestation there too. And early episode, Amanda Aguilar gave you a shout out because she met you at a SleaterCon. So, you know, this is another full circle moment. She was one of the early episodes and um, that's how I knew your name. Like she mentioned it 
and every time I was doing the show notes for this, I would look everybody up that were that was mentioned, and I'd maybe shout them out on like the LinkedIn post. And I remember you liked yeah, it maybe. on there, and that's how I connected with wow. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's how those kind of things circle out too. And everybody kind of it's like the rising tide, and and you you know you start to find your infinite game players and you start to find those people and you become, um, you know, it's, it's just like everybody's kind of tapped into that same vein and we can all trace it back to somewhere. Absolutely. I vividly something. remember that catch up after the Slitacon where, where I was ready to go to the airport, having that in that hotel and Jay was there as well. And hotel yeah, yeah. and with Amanda and, and that, that moment, you know, I mean, I, they say we've got perfect memory, but imperfect recall, but I, I mean, I mean, this is perfect recall and perfect memory on this because I just re- vividly remember that moment, and wow, full credit to Amanda where she's taken that, you know, and and uh, just run with it. So proud of her as to what she's doing and achieving, and and the impact she's actually making. So, uh, well, wild. she's at the franchise, changing it from within now. Her and Jeff are changing this franchise that I've been referencing. You know, the, Zero has tapped into it too, and. I feel like between Jeff, Amanda, Zero, they're doing things to change this. I mean, nothing's going to change that I signed that contract, that I'm still in it. But Amanda is the COO now. You know, like all of these things are happening and I still blame it all on Zero, which is good. Like Zero is is coming in and helping and they have their own interested reasons Hmm. to do that. But I support it. I mean, I'm supporting everything that they're doing now to try and change that. Yeah, and it's important. So I think that's great. Those connections, you know, I mean, part of a great partnership is actually being bringing the truth too. you know, even if it's uncomfortable. So if there's things that are happening and occurring that, that need to be addressed, I know I've done this over the years and, you know, look, we're in an industry and a profession that's, per, that's great and have been trained at spotting imperfections, right? We're, we're trained to spot the problem. What we haven't been overly well educated on is actually bringing solutions. And so I, I can recall early on is hearing that, look, Never bring, uh, never, never bring a problem to someone without actually having two solutions for them. And I've done this with software vendors, and I have seen the change from within. You know, even in the early days, the vendor that we worked with the most would reckon they were starting to compete with us as a partner channel. They were actually putting the support and everything over the top. They were trying to literally taking the peace of mind program that I designed. In fact, their, their their marketing team came, took me out for lunch, and got a copy of it, and then took it back and said, "Hey, this looks pretty good. Let's roll that out." And they were competing. So Paget has done yeah. that too. They they come to our office and they they jot down the systems and things we're doing differently from the franchise, and then they take that and then pan it out across every other office. And now I got to pay royalties on finite my game. Mind. But yeah, well, this was a going, finite yeah. guy, finite game action from an infinite game player, and there was someone in in that middle management that made an error. Or sorry, they live with, they were living congruently in their finite game world. But this was, sure. I knew these guys were infinite game players. So I took it to the CEO and said, mate, this is the challenge. I've, I've got a bone to pick with you. I hadn't really met him before. To his credit, he pulled out a little black book. And this was on a, 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 on a cruise, actually, at a conference. And he said, what's the challenge? What's the problem? What have we created here that's the problem? And I said, this is the problem. And this is the two ways you could solve it. And what led to that was actually introducing a SaaS model. This is 2002 into their business. It gave a d- distinguished and delineated line where we would continue to support the client and we had incentivization. They had reasons to focus on their technical support. So we actually designed a model over sort of six to eight months that now continues to sustain that business and a lot of partners 20 years later. 
because I think I, I wasn't just about me, it actually to the contrary, I was always going to survive. I was always going to work out a way to thrive. It was just, that was just what I was going to do. I was concerned about the rest of the community. I thought, man, if I don't stand up here and actually bring this and work out a solution here. Now, if they said, no, we're not interested, we're not going to actually even act on that, fine, great. You are a finite game. That's a finite action in a finite game. But they're an infant game player. So they mm -hmm. change. They actually, uh, the CEO actually removed half of his, mar or virtually all his marketing team because they didn't agree with this new model. And so he said, yeah, well, obviously they're just not playing the same game as us. Literally, he said those words. 20 years later, that they continue to thrive and survive. So it's like, oh, yeah, okay. That, so that reinforced to me, Clayton, when you have these moments, step into it, you know, and, and be selfless really in that approach. We created, you know, this self-interest in every one of us, but this actually, you know, I'm looking back and, wow, okay, that was a great example to me to sort of dance with the fear take the action, but have solutions. Think of their business, how they can operate more effectively, better with, with this approach. And, and if they want to reveal themselves a fi, a, you know, as a finite game, fine, that's okay. That we'll, I'll just move on either mentally and one day we won't be really partnering, but we still continue to do now because of that infinite game mindset that we both have. Yeah, yeah. It all starts with the leadership or it all starts and ends with the leadership too. And sometimes there's going to be you know the the bad ones slip through the cracks and you learn that stuff sometimes the hard way too like you never really know with people and and i always have to constantly remind myself what game i'm playing and 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 correct my mood and you know just it, it always every it's a daily thing sometimes to always like uh have to remind yourself why am i thinking that like we're sometimes a slave to our thoughts right that's the detachment i did want to touch on that too but this is like the ghost of Christmas future still. Like I'm, I, the other part I was going to bring up was I'm worried that maybe I am traveling too much and I'm everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And maybe I need to pause. I, my latest rap is about saying no more. I say yes to every opportunity sometimes. And, and usually it's to myself. Like I come up with ideas and I say yes to them. I got to be more selective with what I say yes to. Maybe I should use that other lens of finite and infinite as well and that'll help me say no more but yeah i mean it's anytime an opportunity comes up a lot of times if it involves travel and being in front of people i'm saying yes like, yeah look and that's been me because when i come back to the purpose piece is making a difference in people's lives having that opportunity to connect with them and you know whether it's just physically giving them a hug or just having a listen to what it is going on in their world sharing insights perhaps or uh, so that piece fills me up it, it's, it actually uh, energizes me. But there's you, you got to watch what we own owns this type, that addiction piece, you know, the, the, that whole sort of unable to sort of escape that once you're in that sort of hamster wheel of thinking that, and it's the ego too, you know, you've got to watch out for that. Uh, oh, it's ego and it's addictions. Totally. Both of those speak to me yeah. fully. That's uh, why Atomic Habits like resonates with me so well because I got a very addictive personality and I could be addicted to good and bad things. It just kind of depends on, on, you know, what I'm paying attention to, you know? Totally. So. Yeah. Well, don't be afraid to say no. Um, I, and I've said no to a couple of things just recently. And now that's not my natural state. Mine is very much, Hey, say yes and work it out. That's sort of, which creates this sort of has created a lot of energy, but it's a lot of, been a lot of anxious energy over the years as well, which is if you operate at that threshold above your threshold for too long, uh, that that can that's burnout. That's um, 
you know, uh, deep deep channels <laughs> after that, you know, that, that start to happen because you deplete your, your natural energy supply. So, yeah, there's look, because I think it's a fine line. It's a bit of a dance. But if you've got that sort of centre, then and if you, I, with this other lens of finite infinite game piece, it's like oh, it's a lot easier to say, no, I'm not doing that. And when we do say those no's, um, you're not you're not rejecting the person per se or anything like that. It's just you're stepping into your own zone, own power zone. You're actually reinforcing and rebuilding yourself in those moments and and you do feel pretty strong when you actually say no to that against your natural sort of addiction piece of feeling as though i've got to say yes to everything um so yeah i'd, I'd encourage so i'll you know i'll end this i'll end this with the lyrics to or the first 24 four bars to this rap now i'm not going to rap it because the the rapper that i'm emulating here is lil baby and he uses auto-tune and he rhymes syllables. There's a lot of syllable manipulation in it. So I'm going to go through it and I'm going to get some feedback from you here. So it's about saying no, though. I remade one of his songs called Woe. And the word woe is, rhymes with no. So I'm, I'm building around that. If saying no is a decision, then saying yes is more of a burden. Feeling too overwhelmed by your to-do list, asking altruists and they can't resist. I insist that no improves life, less stress, control over business decisions. Hold your fear of being abandoned. No removes obvious distractions. Our time is our number one asset. Don't confuse saying no with arrogance. And with no, protest our acquiescence. Like, was that some kind of manipulation? We said yes with no hesitation. Frustration by our yes obligations. Delegation, bypass, and elevation. Discuss and pursue other options. Deflect on the people who are asking. Delay, negotiate, and obstruction. Just wait, listen, this is no cause for confusion. Position elimination over optimization decline with no reason or deduction discard a hard no pay no attention be firm but try not to be selfish discern i admit this tactic is the hardest mm -hmm. oh man that That's... i don't know where that goes and, and if i need to frame a little bit more but yeah wow that really speaks to me uh, obviously it's come from the heart and experience for you so I mean, I love that wait and listen piece too, you know, just sitting in, in the moment, you know, like just taking taking a pause, you know, on on things um, to really sort of feel as though is this the right direction to go, you know, because we're going to have, you know, I, when we sort of started out, we just wanted yeses of everything, you know, yes, a client, you know, yes, the next client, you know, oh, I'm, I'm trying to fill up my day here, you know, to be active and full in business, but then that tends to own us. And so we haven't actually taken that step back and paused, and and I think that I think maybe the last two years has been a good pause moment for people. Whether people have then really benefited from that to come out of it in a different way, or just accelerating back into the old, well, time will tell. But yeah, that's man. I okay. Get get that released, and I'll be playing it. Awesome. Yeah. Well. That it, it actually works without the music. I just said it out loud for the first time. I mean, this, this took me even like, took me about a week to start because I was just ideating. And then it took me like three hours to get one line in. And then immediately after that first line, 
I did it, the, I, all of them. The rest of them just yeah. poured out. Yeah. Like it all just happens at once. And I don't even have to try to, at this point now, I don't have to try to make the words rhyme anymore that sometimes they just do as I'm writing. And then I got to, sometimes I got to manipulate it a little more and make it makes, make a little more sense and context. But uh, yeah, appreciate the feedback. Well, it seemed effortless in terms of how you put it down. And, and I think that's often, often for us as people, isn't it? It's more about um, knowing how to receive than actually trying to sort of construct, you know, it's just being open to receive. Like you hear a lot of the great artists talk about this, that the poetry in their words has actually come really quickly. Some of the greatest songs ever written. It's just like, boom, that just, that just arrived to me. Uh, so they were actually an, uh, a conduit, effectively, of just receiving those words and actually getting them down and, and uh, taking action on, on putting them down and actually. Yeah, it's a conduit. Yeah, sometimes they say they wake up and just like is already there. That's happened to me a couple of times too, but I, you know, I never really did much with it. Now I'm trying to repurpose all of it for the profession. Like I feel like I got a concentrated focus, even though I'm not focused at all. I have no focus all over the place. I try to at least have one umbrella over me and that's the accounting profession. If I could, if I could stick to that, then at least I won't tether and, you know, fly away. Like it's the string on the yeah. kite. Right. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of you could call it a ball and a chain a people, too, you know. And that's yeah. I think for me personally, I know when we ran events for clients, we ran built our business off the back of running in in person events. Actually, that the energy I got from that room of sitting and talking and listening to small business owners and operators is like oh, this is why we're doing it. We're just trying to help them um, have a better day. I'm trying to bridge. I'm trying to bring tech as an enabler to actually create and help with an outcome here as to why they got into business, you know, to try and help their family buy back time in their life, all of those things. And there've been moments when you think, oh, okay, you know, this is sort of a small insular sort of world perhaps. What if I went over here? That was sort of a, like a, a squirrel moment, distraction. No, stay in this arena. You know, there's there's so much more to fulfil and, and achieve and do in this arena and uh, impact to actually make. And, yeah, I, I commend you, mate, on what you're doing and, you uh, I can just see, you know, you, you light up, your eyes light up when you talk about this and you're in the right room at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. So more of it. Well, just the same. It's a lot of rights. I, I think I'm going to have to take a left so I don't have to. I'm not buried on the right side, right? With all the right people. I got to take some lefts to balance it out. They're I gotta, out there. They're coming. That that, that, they'll be there. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> There's a lot of left turns. I know. But you take three left turns and it's just like taking a right, isn't it? Yeah. A word. All right. Well, Clayton, man, have a great weekend. I'm, I'm going into my Friday. Friday is usually the start of the weekend. But honestly, I see my week as one big weekend anyway these days. Like, I love what I'm doing. I love every day, you know, d doing this. This is the kind of that I live for now. So it's cool. Great. Thanks so much. Right, I'll, I'll see you in a few together. weeks. I've loved it. I, I'm so looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks and uh, yeah, giving you a hug, man, and, and, and sharing a cold one with you. And yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And a lot of our yeah. friends. It'll be awesome. Fabulous. All right, homie. All right. Take see care. You.